Hello, welcome back to a very special episode of the Creative Weirdos podcast. I have back for the second time the first returning guest, Rob Christofferson of the Our Strange Skies podcast, and we're talking about a super special project we started doing called Welcome UFO People. It's a monthly one-page comic covering all kinds of UFO encounters, anomalous encounters, and just awesome strangeness that Rob has researched and dug up for me to draw. So yeah, we get into the idea behind this uh, little project of the comics history of both of us and a whole bunch of weird stuff that's just really fun and imaginative and one of my favorite conversations I've had in a super long time. So enjoy the stories. Rob tells some real good ones and check out the uh, artwork on Instagram and Twitter at Welcome UFO People. Hope you have a wonderful Halloween weekend and I'll talk to you tomorrow. Have a great day. Bye. Have you tried to mess with the transcription thing at all? I always see that it has them now. And I'm like, does that actually work? Yeah, it does. It works pretty well. It takes a while, but like the AI is pretty good on it. Um, I like I've uh, perused through them before and yeah, they're pretty solid. You know, they not too many mistakes, but you know. yeah, that's awesome. Well, Rob, I'm real stoked to uh, talk to you a little bit today about our new project that we got going on here. Um, You've been, I guess, since we've been chatting on Instagram, you've been sending me just some of my favorite images associated with these uh, UFO and anomalous encounters that, I mean, a lot of them are witness drawings that are just amazing for their own (laughs) kind of, uh, Mm -hmm. uh, there's something really genuine and beautiful about them, but I've really love the ones that are more uh illustrative and in that kind of classic comic style and uh yeah ever since you started doing that i've wanted to kind of do a project where i illustrate some of these things but obviously uh writing and especially in like documenting actual encounters and stuff has never been my strong suit so i was so stoked when we kind of landed on the idea of you writing out some five panel uh comics here for me to draw so yeah uh essentially i think we just kind of i don't even remember who asked who but i was like we should do this and then uh we did it (laughs) yeah uh i remember sending you a um it was like a six panel comic in spanish uh about uh it's it's a case called the um I think the army of the humanoids in which this one witness sees like this line of humanoids get out of this UFO and start just like Mm -hmm. uh, marching off in a certain direction. And, you know, we were talking about like how this style is so cool. And then it's just like, Hey, what if we did this ourselves? You know, what if, um, you know, we, we write up um, a short script for, um, uh, for, for this, pick a case 
and then you know you illustrate it and it turned out to be welcome ufo people that's that's (laughs) it like that's the simplicity of how all of this like anything that like i've ever done what's so great about it is it starts with a simple concept because for me one of the joys of kind of diving into these cases is seeing these illustrations that some uh, people do for these cases Uh, and one particular journal that i've come to really enjoy is um it's called canadian ufo report and it was around from like um, about the late 60s like 69 to about 80 81 and you know devoted um you know mostly to canadian sightings but you know they printed stories from uh the states and other places but uh one of the great things that they always included were these like full splash pages of uh, illustrations from um, two particular individuals. One of them is a guy named Brian James and the other is a guy named Hal Crawford and two distinctly different styles. Um, Brian James kind of has uh, a little more of a kind of realistic feel to what he's doing. Whereas Hal Crawford definitely leans into more of the, science fictiony aspect of it and the, t- the both of their illustrations in those issues are just i share them all the time online uh one of them i just shared on instagram the other day it's one of my favorite pieces and it's from a case called the rosedale humanoids case and okay. it's this woman named esther clapison who she kind of lived in this uh remote area i think of alberta and she goes outside, sees, they call it a square or a rectangulish kind of object. Okay. But realistically, what it looks like is kind of like, you know, this portal doorway that's kind of opened. Mm-hmm. And there are these, she can see inside it. And there are these figures that are looking out. And there's another one, um, maybe about 10, 15 feet away from this object grabbing something from the ground and like the way that brian james illustrated this thing is like it's one of the most beautiful nighttime pieces i've ever seen in anything like regardless yeah regardless of whether it's like you know a, a, a ufo case or not it's just like an absolutely beautiful piece and uh, I, I think about these art pieces and I'm like, it'd just be so cool to do something like that. And yeah. when you go through these cases and you see that there are no illustrations for them, never been done at, at any time, I'm just like, that case deserves that. <laughs> and, uh, you know, with our most recent one that we released, the Dan Duggleby uh robot encounter one is it's so like whimsical and and strange because he you know he's out hunting in the hills of bozeman montana and he sees this rocket land and uh he sees these robots get out with like forearms and they're collecting samples of all different (laughs) kinds and you've read the source of where it comes from it's like it's from the fbi's files and it's like why is why is there no more on this case? Why is there nothing yeah. else? So it's just like it only makes sense to illustrate it. So totally, we we, we did that. 
<laughs> but that's that's uh yeah no that's beautiful and that answers one of the main questions I was going to ask was how you pick the cases because so uh for some behind the scenes we have a folder where Rob has a couple scripts for me preloaded so that I can kind of pick away at them as I have time in the background and you know it's one of those things that this is a passion project for both of us so we're kind of that's why I loved when you came up with the idea of just having it be like five panels or six panels nice and short and like uh, doing it once a month it was very manageable that's i have the problem with like biting off more than i can chew a lot of the times Mm -hmm. and with projects like this i have the knee-jerk instinct to be like all right let's do a full comic book and let's like and like but this is way better because i feel like it's going to like I can really take my time with each page and it's been Mm -hmm. uh, really fun to kind of challenge myself to work in a different style than I am uh, normally working in. And so one of the things that I love is, and I've always loved about your podcast in general is how visual of descriptions that you, that you use. And are are you, is the source material, like is the Canadian, uh, I'm sorry, what was the, uh, Canadian uh, UFO report. Yeah. yeah, is that using those de- descriptive language like you're using? Like, do you think that's what they're getting, giving to the artists for them to create these images, or do the artists actually get to talk to the witnesses at times, or do you know how any of that works? Yeah, so most of the time, when it comes to it, it the the investigators they they talk to the witnesses, they get as much information as they can. And and one of the things that I try to do with the podcast specifically is when it comes to detailed descriptions of either the UFO or the humanoids, I like to kind of verbatim quote what the witness says, because that's really the best picture that you have. And it's always so great to see witnesses draw their own things because you know they're not artists by trade but you can see like they're trying their best and and some of them really surprise you uh with with what they have and like uh one of my favorite cases is the david stevens case and it's this case in which uh this guy and his roommate were um, home one night they had a uh, evening off and they hear this uh, explosion outside so they go outside investigate it realize it's nothing but they get this odd sensation that they want to go for a drive so they go for a drive and before long their car is taken over by this weird force that starts you know maneuvering them down these back roads and it leads them to a field where this ufo lifts up and comes in front of this vehicle that's sitting in the road and there's this period of like missing time and eventually the UFO kind of flies off. The guys drive away. The UFO kind of pursues them for a little bit and uh, they go down to this one lake called, uh, I think it's like Eagle Lake or something like that. And they see these like miniature UFOs flying all over the place. Like there's a lot of components to the story. And then um, eventually the, Uh, lead witness goes under hypnosis and he talks about how he was taken on board this craft and the beings that he has interacted with uh, in in this case has influenced me so much that it was included in the logo for my show now it's like (laughs) he described them as these like five foot tall beings with mushroom shaped heads with big eyes that kind of uh, slanted and went upward it's 
it's like a very strange sight, but like you look at the original kind of drawing that he made and like the head is kind of like almost like a half circle in a way, but mm-hmm. like uh, almost it, it kind of like the way you drew it kind of makes me think of like a hammerhead in a way. And then you have the professional <laughs> sketch done by a woman named Shirley Fickett. And it, it, it's like arresting to look at it because it's just, it, it looks completely, you know, science fictiony and everything. But like wow. that, that was kind of the first case that like made me think of, these like sketches and stuff like that but like when it comes to what these witnesses have seen it's uh, you know most of it is just drawn from the stuff that they're saying and they're trying to put it into terms that you know could be easily understandable to them and isn't always but uh it's interesting to see what those sketches end up being like and uh, for instance, like with the first uh, installment that we did of uh, Welcome UFO People on the Apollo Satan on Silvera case, there's this one iconic image, and I wanted to see you do it so badly, and you did it so freaking well. Is there's this one image of it's Apollo Satan, and he's inside a room, and there's this beam of light coming down at him, and above him is this plank. And there's a little tiny humanoid walking across this plank. It looks like, you know, some trippy disco, like on a UFO yes. in a way. <laughs> I remember and, that when you posted that from the original episode and yeah. just being like blown away. Cause it's like, they almost like one of the things that I've noticed is they almost look like, um, like instruction manual illustrations. Yes. Like they have like, like figure one and figure like, they're very like scientific almost a lot of the time. And that's what that, yeah. I love that about it. But I'm sorry, I didn't mean to uh, cut you off there. No, no, you're good. But like, like what you're saying there, have you ever, have you ever seen the show uh, Resident Alien? Yeah, totally. It's like the beginning title it's... sequences in that because it looks like an yeah. instruction manual. <laughs> I never put that together. That's so funny. That's dead yeah. on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But that... like, folks, if you've never, if you've never watched Resident Alien, seriously, it's one of the best shows that I don't think gets talked about enough. Uh, but you know, it's literally about an alien that comes to earth with a mission to destroy earth. And he starts to become more and more human as he tries to blend in, um, in mm-hmm. order to retrieve like parts from a ship that had, uh, you know, blown off. But like, uh, in there are these title sequences at the beginning that look like, an Ikea manual of how to be, you know, blend in with humans. And like, they're, exactly. they're always funny because like, you know, it's uh, like these funny images of like um, normal circumstance, normal situations, but like, you know, push to the absurd. Like you shouldn't do like, you shouldn't, uh, you know, like try to eat a baby or something like that. You know, it's just like, you know, normal human stuff, but like for an alien, it's just like, you know, here's the manual. This is how this works. You need to know this. (laughs) (laughs) That's so good. That's awesome. So you answered the big question as far as like, you know, what, um, leads you to pick these cases for us to do as far as and i love that idea of picking ones where there's not as much visual representation and you're like this Mm -hmm. needs to be illustrated i i think that's super cool and like 
as far as like the illustrators that you've mentioned before previously so far already like are they do you can you follow them like are they still public figures are they working or is it the type of thing where they just kind of disappear or may not be with us anymore i guess or yeah i don't i don't know i'm not sure if they're still with us anymore like uh they may not be but like um it's uh another like influence on like wanting to do a project like this uh is a guy named uh, otto bender who okay he wrote books about ufos and stuff but like the main thing that he was known for is that he was an illustrator back in the day and he used to have a a, a daily um newspaper comic called our space age Ooh. and in it like for the for about the first maybe decade that he was doing it it was all about like space exploration and stuff like that but more and more he started to do these um like ufo cases and stuff like that to the point where he was devoting like a, a week long um you know to like certain subjects like he he did one on i think it was like the 1967 flap and he did one on the 47 wow. flap and he did uh he devoted some to like new york sightings and other states and stuff That's and so and like cool. yeah and they're just these like one you know one tiny panel illustrations with some text under it and like for like I can only imagine for some people for the papers that carried it, it is, um, you know, what it would, how like joyful it would be to see that. And like, the cool thing is, is like, I've been able to find a lot of them on uh, newspapers.com just like through oh, going cool. through them. And I clipped a bunch of them and they're fun to share online and stuff like that. But like, there are a lot of like sketches and stuff that is, that just like, for someone who like me who doesn't really have that artistic bone in his body it, it's just, just kind of like a dream come true to do a project yeah. like this you know no absolutely it's just uh just this brief conversation so far has made me wonder about like all of the artists that have been lost to like history mm -hmm. and this stuff like all the people that have contributed these uh, illustrations to these small zines like what is the when did ufo zine culture start do you know like as far as like did it have a big like diy movement in the 80s like the music scene did and stuff or are you are you familiar with that at all yeah like uh a lot of the uh the old school zine started to pop up in like the early 50s like uh there mm -hmm. was one of the ogs was called space review and you know a lot of it was devoted to kind of like uh you know space exploration and stuff like that but uh they, they also devoted a fair amount of space to um you know ufo cases and stuff and that was affiliated with the uh, uh the uh the international saucer bureau which and is kind of one like... of the first groups you know that uh yeah. was formed yeah. And that's like a privately funded group, right? Like these are all privately mm -hmm. funded operations and yep. like no, at, at no point were they getting like publishers involved and stuff, right? Like these are people yeah. that are just making that because they really care about the content. Yeah. Yeah. Basically. And like, you know, 
even like uh like uh, alan greenfield who's kind of like having the second life on twitter these mm-hmm. days uh, he <laughs> was heavy into the zine scene you know he helped put out a bunch of zines uh back in the day so um it just kind of evolved into um a lot of ufo journals started to pop up around this subject and uh, a lot of them are digitized now, which is fantastic. The uh, archives awesome. for the, un- the anomalous have like um, digitized a lot of these old uh, issues, and like um, they that's that's where I found Canadian UFO Report because uh, you know in in reading some of the sources, I'd find references to it, and I'm like, this seems like it would be a fantastic publication, but I, like it's hard to find. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, it's hard to find copies on eBay. Yeah. Um, I have like maybe one copy that, uh, that I managed to find, but, um, they, they digitize a lot of this and starting in around the sixties, you started to see more UFO sketches kind of appearing in UFO journals, especially flying saucer review as they mm-hmm. started to carry more reports of, uh, humanoids, uh, for a while, um, at least until about the late fifties humanoids didn't really, there weren't a lot of reports of them. People didn't report them a lot of the time and UFO journals didn't carry them a lot of the time just because they're like as fantastic as they are. But like once you start to get in the sixties and things start to get a little weirder, especially around 65 and stuff, you start to see a lot more like of that type of art in, in those UFO journals. So, you know, from about the fifties to about 64, 65, the, the journals are kind of a bit tame, but like after that you (laughs) see like, just like fantastic UFO sketches that's awesome has anybody and maybe this is a project that we should tackle at some point but has anybody collected these and done like a really nice like book of like it like i'm picturing like a coffee table book of these zines like you know of like a, a really nice printed collection that like you right flip through and stuff that'd be so cool are the are the digitizations like high res and or are these things just kind of uh yeah no, they're they are fantastic. Like a, a lot of the sources that I pull from are these digitized like UFO so journals. Cool. Like, um, you know, for this this week's episode, quite quite literally, I pulled from Canadian UFO Report, Volume Two, Issue Number Five, and it is the story. Like the story was so fantastic that I that I messaged you this morning, and I'm like, dude, we got to make this the next one because <laughs> it's it's. It's poorly under under you know illustrated. Uh, there's only kind of like one illustration associated with it, but there's like a small handful of photographs of the area where all these sightings took place. But um, in in this issue, they they gave page space to a witness, which they never usually do. Like you mm-hmm. read these UFO journals, it's uh, people send in their stories and these folks write it up put it in there and and that's it but like this woman whose name is uh, bernice niblet she lived in this one room cabin in this island in british columbia called keats island and she she's a badass she was out there like living on her own she was installing stove pipe and stove and and all this stuff and 
she starts having these like UFO experiences. But what makes it so fascinating is how she kind of justifies what she's seeing. She she try she puts things into like a human perspective at times and the way that she talks about these things is that, you know, they're almost like animals, like checking her out, doing what she's doing. Yeah. But the story is just so fantastic. I'm like, yeah, we got to do this one. Um, I'm and, so down. <laughs> yeah. And like, like you have the harder job because all <laughs> I, most of what I have to do is like, okay, how do I picture this in my head? How do I write it down? And let Todd do what Todd does because <laughs> what Todd does is so fantastic. And I know he's going to bring it to life. And like you, you capture what I'm seeing in my head very well, because I can see it in your art style and know how it's going to turn out most of the time because I, you know, just so familiar with it and, totally. and uh, every day. So it's just like, okay, how, how I'm picturing this, how, how's, how's Todd going to draw this? So write it down. <laughs> the words are kind of my thing. Uh, so I put the words in there and uh, that's it. Like it takes you longer to do your part than it does mine. Mine usually um, I'll, I'll like stew on something for maybe like two hours mm -hmm. um, at, at the most, but um, put it in there, send it off. And then, you know, See i if i had to do what you do it would take me so long like if i had to like take a article or an experience or a story and distill it down and like break it down into five pounds like that's where i i don't excel because i get so caught up and i'll end up being like well this will be four pages now or this will be like <laughs> i have a real bad trouble um, and like one of the things that I really appreciate about what you do is you like you, it's very uh, easy to follow where I feel like I would definitely it's it would be a lot more convoluted <laughs> if that makes sense. <laughs> like I, and I, I like like I yeah, so I'm real excited to be working with you on this. And I think that uh, we're going to make some really cool stuff because I mean we're only two in and I feel like we're already finding a really nice groove and I'm, uh, I'm very excited by the populated folder. And so when you messaged me and said that we're bumping this one up for next month, I was like halfway through the episode from the day and I had already been like, Oh yeah, this is, that's perfect. When you posted the picture of that cabin that Bernice was living in, I was like, Holy shit. Like, how do you do? And you said that she moved in before it wasn't like winterized or anything. Like that's crazy. Like I can't imagine. Right. And yeah. And the, and this is the one with the barrel shaped uh, UFOs, right? Like that was her. Yeah. yeah. That thing is wild looking. And there was another encounter you posted that has a similar UFO to that one. Yeah. The, when they, they published her story and then like a couple of issues later, they published this uh, article called four faces of our visitors, which is, uh, an article devoted to kind of unusually shaped objects. And um, one of the things that Bernice talked about is like, she kept seeing these barrel shaped objects. She called them red flashers. Mm -hmm. And uh, there are a couple of 
cases in the books that have similar structure to objects. One of them is uh, a, a incident called the Sanina Landing uh, involving this woman named Rosalotti. And she was out gathering carnations for... Um, she was making an altar to... Um, I think it was like a... an a, I, for, I, I forget who she was making an alt, the altar to, but she was grabbing these carnations and she comes across this object that looks like uh, the way that she described it is that it looked like um, two um, like old school kind of like candle snuffers from back in the day oh, wow. joined together. But it has that very distinct barrel shape. So yeah. Uh, and she sees these two small humanoids that are um, very dapper uh, in the way that they're dressed. <laughs> they have like capes on too, which is like kind of funny, but uh, they basically steal some of her carnations right out of her hand. And then they try to present her with like this package, but she runs away because she fears that they're going to take her picture which is which is always hilarious to me because there are these encounters that people have where they talk about the, the fact that they think the aliens are about to take their picture yeah um, which is always it, it's funny to me because I, I don't i don't understand how they get to that thought it's like they're aliens yeah. and they're here to take your picture <laughs> i think we talked about that on when i was on your episode the last mm -hmm. time and that's yeah. so true it's so funny and you posted that painting of this encounter that was one of my favorite things was that by one of the two mm -hmm. artists that you mentioned earlier no i think that was i don't know who ended up doing that but that was like uh like you don't see a lot of paintings like that for encounters like this that like that's a rare one that somebody made but it's also kind of iconic yeah um to the to the point where um you know it's it's it is one of those few ones that did get illustrations like that there's another guy that um he did a lot of paintings of famous ufo cases um ah uh, and um, uh, his name was Michael Bueller. And okay, that sounds familiar. Have you talked about him before? I I I might have mentioned him at one point, but if you Google Michael Bueller UFO art, there are so many famous cases that he is painted, uh, and like he is. Uh, painted the like the travis walton incident he's painted the lonnie zamora incident uh he's painted kenneth arnold any f just about any oh, famous wow. ufo incident that you can think of he's painted it uh and he did That's it really for cool. uh like decades and they're they're really fascinating kind of paintings and um <laughs> he uh i think he died in like 2009 but like that's his legacy is like he's a really famous painter but he painted all of these famous ufo encounters over the years i don't blame him there's so much to be inspired by mm -hmm. and just kind of uh tap into there for sure that's awesome yeah. i just did a quick google and i'm gonna have to go down a rabbit hole of that later for <laughs> for sure did you uh to not switch 
subjects completely, but did you read comics growing up? Were you into comics and stuff as a kid or later in life? I was a little bit when I was a kid, like, uh, you know, every now and then I would get, uh, you know, pick up like a Batman comic or something like that off the rack. Uh, it wasn't until like the mid nineties that I kind of got into Iron Man a little bit. And like, I got into Iron Man, probably one of the worst ways you can get into Iron Man. And that's <laughs> through the cartoon series that they had in like 1996. So I vaguely remember that cartoon. Yeah. Yeah. So 96, there's this like double feature that they had on, on Saturday mornings where it was Iron Man and it was the Fantastic Four. And like, the main villain in these stories was the Mandarin. And like, I remember every week getting those comics. And then after that, like uh, we would take when we would uh, go to Lake Placid, for instance, uh, we'd go over to the dollar store and the dollar store had like these old comics that uh, they would repackage and and sell. And I would buy Mm -hmm. uh, some of those too. So like, yeah, around the mid nineties, I got really into comics and then probably in the last decade, decade and a half is when I really started to enjoy them the most. Like there are certain, there are certain comics that I reread every year, like um, Joe Hill's lock and key one of my absolute favorites. Oh, yeah. I reread that all the time because it's just so like the magical realism of that is just so totally. wonderful. And it's, um, you know, Gabriel Rodriguez's art is just so fantastic in that. Um, there's um, um, a couple of like winterish comics that I reread every year. Um one of my favorites, uh Jeff Lemire, he he did uh the complete Essex County, which is like Yeah. It, it it's such a beautiful story because it's um you know this kind of generational saga in Canada that kind of is wrapped around this one like this one bird like that observes it all and and it takes place in this one small tiny 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 town and like the way that it ends is so damn beautiful um like the last uh two two page two um two page like splash is like is so beautiful and uh awesome. the other one that I that I like to read is uh Craig Thompson's Blankets because it's like your cozy kind of winter yeah. read it's like 500 pages long but like (laughs) you can read it pretty quick and you know it's um there are a lot of themes to that you know living in the cold that you can definitely you know pull from and stuff but yeah (laughs) oh yeah blankets was one of those books that i read and i was like oh this is that is something special like that is like Mm -hmm. and Craig Thompson's actually one of the few cartoonists. I keep a book. Uh, I just talked about this with my buddy uh, Robin, but I keep a book uh, called Conversations. That's Craig Thompson and James Kacholka just having a conversation in comics. Essentially, it's like a little square zine almost, and like it's one of my favorite uh, formats to, like, that plays with sequential art, and they do it so good. I <clears throat> excuse me. I've been meaning to pick up the new Craig Thompson book that came out a little while ago that I yeah. have still not picked. 
up because yeah. it's one of those things that's a commitment. And now with kids, my my reading goes from like I probably get like ten pages a day, maybe. <laughs> like comics, I get yeah. like maybe maybe twenty. Maybe I can get like a full uh, twenty four page issue in, but it's not not nearly as much as it was before. Read lots of children's books these days, which uh, yeah. is. <laughs> you're not far off like if you there's some beautiful children's books out there and like i've been heavily inspired by a lot of the different artists and like the one of the things that i like is the writing a lot of the time i'm like oh i think i can do this and that's probably pretty evident in a lot of my work because i'm like yeah just write it like a kid's book because that's what you read all the time and i don't know but comics will always hold just such a special place in my heart and i wasn't like I kind of missed the nineties comics thing myself. Like my main, like, you know, my main access to Batman in the nineties was the animated series and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. And uh, that was, that was my Batman growing up way more than anything in the books. And then like in high school and right after high school, I got into a group that made comics and, educated me and gave me like swamp thing and alan moore's run on swamp thing and like dark knight returns and stuff like that and i was like oh wow okay this is like a whole nother level and ever since then he's never never looked back and i mean the honestly at this point i just look at comics way more than i read comics <laughs> like i i just i pull like treasuries <laughs> of the like the ec e, tre, ec treasuries are probably my go-to like any of the uh pre-code mm. horror science fiction stuff like all the wallywood and and all the ray bradbury translated stories like i can just stare at that artwork forever and like it's just because i look at it and i'm like i still don't know how they did that like i still just don't know right. how you like how you make lines like that and how and like it's funny because like stories and stuff have come a long way like i would take modern stories like from blankets or from jeff lemire like any of those like over most of the uh classic like ec horror science fiction stories and stuff because it's just way different but like there's something that's so special and raw about the way that those comics look and i love how like cheap they were and how like they were kind of like garbage culture. Like no, like none of the yeah. like artists like wanted to be doing that. Like they, like the ones that wanted to be doing it, like made, made something really magical, but almost all of them, like, I mean, Wally Wood's a great example of it. Like they wanted other things like they need, they wanted fame yeah. and like, you know, they just, it wasn't there anymore. Like you couldn't be a famous illustrator at that point easily (laughs) but uh i'm really glad that's the way it went because they made some of the most beautiful art without knowing it but yeah i mean i i've talked about seeing originals from them so many times because it's so gorgeous to me how like they just didn't really care about the original artwork in the way of like preserving it like some of the card stocks weather different than others because they'll cut out panels to paste over mess ups and like the whiteout won't like age well because it's not archival yeah. and like but it's just so cool looking and like i it's definitely influenced me a lot and the I, this is one of those things that I feel like I get to really lean into that kind of vintage aesthetic purposefully. <laughs> and, yeah. 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 And like you, you do it so well, you put a spin on it that is uniquely your own. And like every, every one just like turns out so fantastic. And like, it has that vintage style to it, but it's uniquely yours, which is also very modern. So it blends in well together, like really well together. And like, we're also talking about 
you know, cases that are just old, like they've been around for a long time and it's like, we're giving them new life and maybe even life that they never had to begin with. Like, I don't think Dan Duggleby's encounter ever had a life before this, but like, Hey, you know, you stumble onto something and you find value in it. And, you know, I think that's, what's great about this project is like, you can look at the stories that have been, um, illustrated to death and you can, you can kind of let those fall by the wayside knowing that sure they 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 have a life of their own but like uh, there's a lot of stories that don't and it's really cool to be able to do that to be able to give life to these stories that maybe never had that before or only had kind of a small readership and stuff and like that's what i love to do with my podcast is just tell these like really obscure stories most of the time it's it's what the kryptonaut guys do very well too it's like you know finding these stories that aren't as popular um in in whatever you know kind of whether that's ufo culture cryptid culture or whatever and give them the life that they deserve and give them the recognition that they deserve and you know that's it's a it's a humbling thing to mm-hmm. first and foremost but like um you always kind of want to root for the underdog and it's kind of yeah. like we give the underdog their their due in these in these comics totally no that's beautiful and i i agree completely i'm very uh i'm very proud of what we've done and the little time that we've been doing it and i'm excited mm-hmm. to to keep it keep it going i think that there's a uh, one thing that i always wonder and i want to ask people like you or uh rob or others that have looked like is there just an endless well of this stuff like is there is it like and like could you do our strange skies for a billion years at this point <laughs> you know there's a lot of stuff out there that i just feel like people didn't know existed and then all it takes is one person to tell you that this exists have fun kid get lost in there for a while and uh there were some people that um basically they drop they drop certain sources at my feet um and and the one thing about kind of ufo investigators most of the time they don't share materials very well and and one of the things that i like to do is make sure that like anybody that wants to check the stuff out that i use has the ability to do that so i put links to everything in the show notes and stuff but like one thing that I, I'm really proud of that we have on our strange is this resource page. And in this resource page is like most of what I use for the episodes that I do. Like some does come out of books, not as many because for me, I'm a slow reader. So I need mm-hmm. something that's a little shorter that I can sink my teeth into that I can generally put into an episode And if it's kind of worthy of diving deep and, you know, getting your hands on a book to um, really give it the full space, I'm all for it. But like, yeah, 
these these journals are kind of like the lifeblood of obscure cases and that's where a lot of them sit but like there's also this element to the fact that these folks that worked on this stuff and wrote this stuff they put all of this time and and effort into these into documenting all this stuff and to kind of appreciate it again is is like rewarding because you're finding all sorts of fascinating and interesting stuff that somebody decided was worthy to put in an article or on an index file or, you know, something that somebody could read down the line. And, you know, um, archives for the anomalous are kind of the superheroes in this because they've, they've scanned and uh, put up so much, these days like you can get lost on their website just going through old articles and stuff uh that they have scanned and and put on there you know for everybody to enjoy and you know that that's amazing yeah that that's kind of what we're we're kind of an extension of that in a way and 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 what we do is you know kind of turn it into something which is yeah which is you know it's cool to be able to express something that is so hard to express in a way that um, people can enjoy and understand, you know? Absolutely. No, I think that's kind of, there's a artist that I like a lot who says something like he talks about his work where he's like, I'm not saying anything original, like all of my ideas, I'm just repackaging. And the thing is that the way I package it might click with one other person that it didn't click with before. So like, Mm -hmm. I feel like what we're doing is taking for the people that like that aren't going to go through the effort of going to the UFO journals and reading those little tidbits. And we're giving them a little bit of a more visually uh, stimulating (laughs) way to consume it or something. But I also do kind of love the idea that like the more that you tell and retell these stories that you are like re-imbuing the the kind of wonder in them all and like you're kind of like keeping that magic alive by retelling them. And I think that, uh, yeah, I'm, uh, excuse me um yeah i'm really excited that we get to kind of take the uh take these more obscure cases and do something really imaginative with them because it's uh yeah it's something that i you know i've always been a consumer of this stuff like i've always been on the listening end of your podcast or the kryptonaut podcast or all these all these weirdo podcasts that i listen to all week and i feel like i take so much as far as inspiration and just kind of uh you know things like almost all my drawings are little tidbits of things that i take from other people that are smarter than me that have podcasts and things (laughs) and just kind of i amalgamate them and put them through a filter that is my brain and it comes out with whatever it comes out like but i feel like this is almost a way to give back and be like okay like i you know i i enjoy doing this and it's super fun but i i like that like 
we're both kind of giving our time without expecting anything of it and just doing it because we feel like this is something that should be done and is fun to do and want to uh, share it with people. So yeah, that, that rings true throughout everything we've been talking from the zines to uh, experiencers, arch archiving and digital scanning, all of that. Like it's all thankless. <laughs> yeah, it, it is. But like, it's an expression of something that meant something, you know, deeply to someone yeah. to, to the point that it was worth writing down. And like, when, when you think of like art, like even going back to like, you know, cave paintings and stuff like mm -hmm. that, somebody wanted to document that and they put it in a place where it was going to be protected, where it wasn't going to be exposed to all of the sunlight and, and, and be destroyed. And like, that's the nature of art is that there is always going to be something worth documenting in that way, worth expressing in that way. And like, you know, this is just another form of it. And it's like magical. It's whimsical. It is otherworldly. And, uh, you know, it's their experiences. These are experiences that people have had and like, you know, honoring, honoring the experience is you know, something that I, I think we all do when we, uh, you know, yeah, whether we, you know, draw or, you know, do release podcasts, write books, like we all pay tribute to it in some way. And like, <laughs> this is one way that that uh we've chosen to do it and it may be thankless but it's it's beautiful in in that yeah in and and like it, totally mm -hmm. and i i don't think what we're doing is particularly thankless i guess i was more referring to like the archival work and scanning all mm -hmm. the stuff in that that right. th those are that that is the thankless uh the part of all of that but i i do think it is it is um <laughs> special to do it in the way that we get to do it and the way that you do your podcast where like a lot of the artwork that's a re revolving around these experiences or stories is kind of darker and like they they hype up the the scariness of it and they you know mm -hmm. like most of the things that i think of when i think of like you know aliens and comics and stuff is not just like straightforward documentation of encounters i mean there is a few examples of that for sure um but like they're I like the idea that we get to make these without putting like, you know, negative tones in there or like having to yeah. uh, like uh, make it superficially scary, if that makes sense or, you know. Yeah, yeah exactly. Like, uh, you know, w with the Dan Duggleby one, like you put your own spit on it. You made those robots smiling, <laughs> which, you know, if you read Dan Duggleby's uh, the, the little Humcat entry that that it pulled it from it's kind of just like plain and to the point, you know, Dan Duggleby in the Hills, Bozeman, Montana is hunting. Here's this whooshing sound, sees a weird rocket that lands and these robots get out. And like most of these encounters are like to the point and they are emotionless and um, like they're, it's so weird because like they're documented human experiences and often the human aspect of like the, the emotion and, and everything is often devoid of them because they're not trying to 
display that they're trying to give you a, a straightforward kind of story and and what you're able to do is like make it magical make it whimsical yeah. make it you know something that is a little more expressive than the original accounts are and like i think that's like one of the best parts about it is like how we can kind of spin it into um and and make it into something that is um you know that isn't necessarily negative and yeah. is it, it is kind of wonderful to observe even if like the witness is scared in that moment there is some sense of wonder that you can pull from you know yeah no absolutely i uh i never want to i'm trying to think of a good word for for this but i never want to like uh whitewash the fear or the experiencers like you know mm. like the world view and uh feeling that they brought away from those but i do think there is uh, a theme of wonder and positivity in these things. And especially, yeah. especially in the reconsumption of the mythology, if that makes sense. Like if you're going to reconsume all of this stuff and just pull away that, like, you know, the government's hiding aliens and that there's 9 million mm. races of aliens coming to get us. And like, oh, like what's the point? Like, <laughs> like, what's yeah. like, like to me, it's just the wrong, uh, the wrong thing to pull from it all. And I mean, I, I again, I don't want to criticize what anybody takes from ex personal experiences. And if that's someone's personal experience, that's totally valid for yeah. their life. But like at the same time uh, as a uh, consumer, and that's the thing, like I think about this stuff a lot, like this is all being put out there through or a lot of what we're talking about is being put out there through giant medias and like things in which we are being consumed with like, you know, uh, scored music undertoning or uh, underscoring weird parts yeah. and making things more dramatic and like, you know, or like there's that aspect and there's the aspect that you hear talked about a lot where like, you know, they play the UFO thing on the news and put the X-Files theme underneath of it. Like there's always yeah. these like, you know, cult like, so it's nice to kind of get a chance to put our own spin on it <laughs> and and yeah. have it be like yeah. i'd much rather it be that than the darker side yeah and, and yeah you definitely you know don't want to take away from anybody's experience and i don't think we you know will ever do that but it's just like there's there's always more than one side and the unexplained is scary there's there's yeah. no doubt about that but hindsight's always 2020 and you know oftentimes that you'll read witness accounts and like there's just like odd things that don't make sense they're absurd they don't make they they shouldn't even belong in what they're saying but they're there and they're kind of worth documenting um and like for instance with with bernice and her experiences it's like she really in her writing she tries to relate things in the most human possible way like relates these ufos in the most human possible way and it's like it's at one at one time like kind of funny but at the other time it's like you totally understand it because like they're the only it's the only perspective that you have to describe what you're seeing and yeah. it's the only way that you can kind of make sense to it to the point where you're not necessarily describing uh, a craft 
uh, an alien craft from somewhere, but you're describing an animal that has taken an interest in you. And like, that's kind of, that's, there are pockets of that uh, kind of wonderful, whimsical thinking when it comes to these things. And there are moments that are like, just kind of like, and like, heartwarming in in certain ways like um you know the the herbert Shermer incident for instance it's a an alien abduction that took place in 1967 and uh you know herbert Shermer was a patrolman in nebraska and he's out late kind of uh checking on things and there's a ufo that stops him in the middle of the road and this being gets out comes up to his um, window and at the time you know Shermer is he's kind of paralyzed he can't really move and like the being escorts him out and escorts him into his ship and in this being asks him are you the watchman for this town and he's like yeah I am <laughs> so he starts to this this being kind of shows him around his ship and stuff it's whimsical like why would you stop a UFO in the in the middle or stop a car in the middle of the road yeah. to bring a guy on to show him around your ship? And like the way that Herbert Shermer tells the story, because there is an audio recording and it has been uh, turned into a comic book by a guy named Michael Jasorka. Um, it's called December 3rd, 1967. It's a great comic. I, I have it out. myself. Yeah, it's uh, you can uh, you can buy it from him on eBay. He just sells copies on eBay and um, it's available on Comixology and stuff. But um, awesome. while he's on board the ship and like this being is showing him around and he and he keeps saying, um, uh, come with me, Watchmen, come with me, Watchmen. They go to this um, window where he sees this um, antenna on the UFO kind of drawing uh, electricity from nearby power lines. And the being turns and looks at him and says, Watchmen, you will one day see the universe as I've seen it. And like, to me, that is one of the most like that one hits you in the gut. Like an alien took you on board a UFO and told you that like that's Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's gorgeous. Like I have goosebumps from that. That's amazing. I, uh, I love stories like that. And I think that is definitely, yeah, that's wonder inducing to say the least. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Like there are, you know, a lot of these like just, very strange whimsical short encounters that really they don't make sense and you know people try to relate them as best they can and those are kind of what this is what you know this comic is good at at doing is bringing to life these whimsical encounters that don't make any sense but people say that they happen and deserve that space yeah no that's perfect i i love that rob i think that's a uh great place to end this conversation because that's one of the best stories i've heard in a minute <laughs> um yeah so yeah everybody can keep an eye out we're going to be doing this 
monthly for as long as I mean, yeah, I just say we got plenty to keep going. And mm-hmm. one of the things that I am real excited about is to get a whole bunch of these together and to make a physical book at some point. Like I really yes. think putting this out physically at some point, once we have enough to to warrant that will be extra special for sure. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Well, thank you for doing this with me in general, Rob. I, uh, I'm very honored to be working with you on it and real excited to uh, keep sharing these fun comics with everybody. Yeah. Likewise, man. It's a, uh, it's a joy to, you know, bring these, uh, you know, cases to your attention and, and watching what happens. It's, it's joy every single time and <laughs> people are loving it. Everybody's loving awesome. it. Well, if anybody doesn't know where to find it, there are high res downloads on both of our Patreons. And now there is a welcome UFO people page on Instagram and Twitter. You can follow along with, and yeah, if you uh, want more than that, I don't know. Just uh, listen to our strange skies. Rob's got so <laughs> many, so many amazing, weird ca- cases for you to consume. I just went back and listened to the one you did with AP Strange not too long ago before doing my uh, chat with him the other day, and that was so good. <laughs> like that's one of the weirdest ones I've heard in a while. <laughs> there, yeah. But uh, yeah. but yeah. So go check out everything over at the our strange skies.com and wait, that's back that's up and running right did you just put that back up was that what you said yeah we put it back up maybe like a month month and a half ago <laughs> awesome well everybody go there and check out all this stuff for sure and yeah thank you so much rob i super appreciate everything man ah thank you man yep i'll talk to you soon buddy Yeah.